This is the podcast from Connection Community Church for this Sunday, October 30th, 2011. There's an app for that, the Anger app. So I I was in Texas uh, last week. It's funny, we're preaching on anger, so I didn't strangle Ted for taking Megan and the girls to Texas. Uh, They're doing well, and um, it was bittersweet to... uh, say goodbye, but we had some great time together. Now, while I was away, I understand that Barry and the tech team upgraded our software on this giant iPad. So what I've been told is that now there's speech recognition. So I get to try something new. Is everybody ready for this? Okay, here we go. Launch the Anger app. No, I didn't say angry birds. I said launch the anger app. Stop. You know, technology can be so frustrating at times. Not the guys who run it. We love you. But technology can be frustrating. So I think we'll do this the old-fashioned way. Launch the Anger app. There we go. There we go. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord did you see me slap that wall, Mama? Because that what she said, man. She really hit that. I should have. Ah. Yeah, I know. She's going to be listening to today's message. Yeah, on iTunes again. We're two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for today, for new mercies that are new each day for your work in our lives, even when we don't know about it or recognize it. Open our hearts right now, Lord, to continue to receive your word found in Scripture so that we might be changed and transformed by it. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And all of Connection Church said, Amen. Amen. So today we finish our series, there's an app for that, with an app for anger. You know, anger, it's mentioned a lot in the Bible. In fact, the words anger or angry, uh, you find in the New Living Translation nearly 500 times. Uh, 90% of those are in the Old Testament. You ever read the Old Testament and feel like God's angry all the time? Well, 90% of anger and anger you find in the Old Testament. But then in the book of Exodus, there's like a little oasis there. Second book in the Bible. And and actually, you know, that's the book where, um, where we read where God frees his people and takes them on a journey through the desert and they ultimately uh, arrive in the promised land. Well, out there in the desert, in Exodus 34, 6, here's what we find. It says this, The Lord passed in front of Moses, calling out, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy. I am, say it with me, slow Slow to anger anger and filled with with unfailing unfailing love and and faithfulness. Okay, so God doesn't get angry because God enjoys that. Now, I know I'm speaking for God, but we can be pretty sure that God equals love and and anger, you know, God doesn't want to get angry because God says, I am slow to anger 
and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. See, God wants you and me, God wants all of us to have the best life possible, the life that God dreamed of when God first thought of you. So God wants us to obey, that's a bad word, but it's true, have obedience in our lives so that we can follow what the Bible says, the ways of the Lord. If we're obedient, if we do what God tells us to do, things pretty much go, oh, well, you know, okay, because we're doing it God's way. But when we don't, it causes anger. Now, on the other hand, there are scriptures, there are passages that address us in our anger. Anybody ever get angry around here? Yeah, okay. So um, most of these, God, there was a lot, 90% in the Old Testament, first half of the Bible. The second half of the Bible, most of these occur when they address us in the second half of the Bible, the New Testament. And they're offered to us, many of them, by Paul, who wrote a lot of the second half of the Bible. He wrote a letter to the church at Ephesus. And this is what he says. He says, and don't sin by letting anger control you. Now that's in quotes because that comes out of Psalms in the Old Testament. See, these guys knew what the Old Testament said, what the word of God was. So that comes right out of Psalm chapter 4, verse 4. And then Paul goes on to write, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a what? foothold to the devil. Mm. So even though Paul was writing to a particular church at a particular time and a particular place, what he shares here has universal value, has universal uh, value for us today. And and that's because of what anger, one of the things is because of what anger can create in us. We're going to be talking about three C's today, connection with anger. And one of those C's is creates. What does anger create in us? Okay, so when we get angry, when I get angry, it's kind of like my brain shuts off and my emotions take over. Now, for you, that might look one way. For me, that looks another way. I might say words that I don't mean or have actions that I really don't want to have. What happens is that it, it creates an opportunity for us to have some sinful behavior. When we speak poorly to somebody, When we have um, this reaction that is not godly, that's sin. And so the caution that Paul gives in this letter to the Ephesians, he says, in your anger, do not sin. And then he shares something that many of you probably have heard before. Probably heard it, though, in in connection with like being uh, like in your marriage. Don't go to bed angry. Anybody heard that expression? Yeah. Well, I think this is where it comes from, but it's a little, it's not exactly that. What, what he says here is, um, yeah, uh, don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, that's not just for married couples or for couples at all, or, you know, this is for all of us, isn't it? And anybody, don't let the sun go. Well, why would you, why would it do that? Because the longer it lasts, the more likely it is that the devil's going to get a foothold. foothold. Yeah, the longer it lasts, the more likely. And remember what Satan's, uh, what Jesus says about Satan. His goal is to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's your life, your love, your, 
everything. That's what Satan's goal is, and he tries to get footholds. And that happens often when we're angry, because when we're angry, it's hard for us to be uh, loving and caring, and Satan will have a field day with us. Well, we take a look at what else Paul says in his letter to the Ephesians in the Bible. We look at Ephesians 4, verses 31 and 32. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, say the rest with me, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. And so uh, Paul has a theme here that also threads through some of his other writings. We find almost the same thing in a letter that he wrote to the church at Colossus. Get rid of that negative junk, all that evil behavior in your life, and instead... Notice the word instead there. It doesn't say add to that because you can't have both usually. You can't be kind-hearted and, 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 and angry. They usually don't go together. So get rid of the one and then take on the other. It, it's uh, good advice from Paul. It's good advice for us today as well as it was a couple thousand years ago. We're told in the book of John, that's part of the Gospels where we learn about the life of Jesus and the teachings of Jesus, in John chapter 10, verse 10, that Jesus comes to give us life and have that life to the full. Now, we aren't living life, and especially to the full, when we are consumed with anger. Our anger creates this environment where it's, it's as if we are emotional prisoners. We are imprisoned to a way that really is grievous to God because the anger wraps us up, it controls us, it can keep us from the promise of God, the promise of life, the promise of joy. Can we have joy when we're angry? I don't think so. So our anger creates in us a barrier to the life that Jesus offers. Okay, so that's our first C for the morning uh, in terms of anger. What does it create? The second C is um, what is the cause? See, it's, it's hard to control anger if we don't know what's causing it. And, and from what we've been told from uh, research, this um, anger is, is not a, what they would call a primary emotion. It's a secondary emotion. Something brings it on. Something triggers it. In other words, you don't just get angry. There's something that, that, that brings it about. Like it might be embarrassment or it might be uh, shame or it might be uh, if you're feeling dishonored or disrespected or something like that. Um, you know, um, it, it, those things bring it about. And so when somebody says, uh, you make me so angry. No, they don't make you. You choose to respond to what's going on in anger, like maybe they did something that you felt embarrassed about, and then you chose to respond in anger. Scripture tells us to be slow to anger. Now, we can choose our response. When, when something is upsetting us, we can choose how to respond, either in anger to lash out, or we can respond by 
you know, not saying a word. We could have a crazy response, like we could burst out laughing. Now, that could cause some more anger if we do that. Um, but the point is, is that we have a choice in our next steps when we're feeling angry. We could tell them how they, how we felt, what we experienced when, when we were hurt, but not that you did this to me, you made me angry, but this is how I feel when this happened. And so how, how does that play out? You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. This probably doesn't apply to anybody here, but just a far-fetched example. Maybe one spouse says something in front of friends that is embarrassing to the other spouse. I know it doesn't apply here or to us, of course, but maybe it happens someplace, somewhere, somebody. And, and the person, you know, they're embarrassed in front of all their friends, so they got mad, right? They got angry. What if instead of getting angry, the person used, kicked their brain and said, okay, why am I mad? Okay, you embarrassed me in front of my friends, and that's, that's not a good feeling. You dishonored me. That's good language, by the way. You dishonored me. And what if instead of getting mad when you got home, said, you know, when we were in front of our friends tonight, um, what you said there you thought was funny and everybody laughed, but I found it very dishonoring, and, and then I chose to respond in anger. And this, I don't like being dishonored, and I really don't like being mad, and I don't think you want to dishonor me, do you? <laughs> Hopefully the answer is no. Or not a <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah. if it's other than no, then we have really serious problems. If the person wants to dishonor you in front of friends, then you've got some serious counseling ahead, all joking aside. But if they say, no, of course I don't. I mean, we've had, we use that word dishonor. It's very helpful because uh, uh, maybe Carrie would say, Alan, you dishonor me. I said, gosh, that's, I was just having some fun. I didn't mean to do that. That's the last thing I would want to do. Um, I'm sorry. And I might even say, Gosh, do you want me to go and apologize in front of the people? You know, we usually say I'm sorry in private when we dishonored them in public. <laughs> you might want to say, do you want me to go and say I'm sorry in front of the people that I uh, dishonored you in front of? And, and when we do that, now we've dealt with the problem, haven't we? Getting mad usually doesn't deal with the problem, does it? We get mad and the problem gets kind of built up and it doesn't get dealt with. So that kind of response really takes a lot of time. It just did. <laughs> it just did, and a lot of energy. But once you start practicing it and trying to really deal with the problem instead of dealing with it in a, in a negative reaction, in anger, it, it kind of tightens up, and it's really the better. It's the better way. Um, sometimes it's easier to just get mad. Sometimes that's the habit we're in, and we're challenging you to take a look and choose a different way. What is the cause of your anger? Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've covered uh, what does anger create in us, what is the cause. Now, the third C, now we're in church, so the third C's got to have something to do with Jesus, (laughs) right? So it's Christ. So it's Christ. You know, in the Scriptures... You say, well, that's fine and good, Alan Carey, but Jesus got mad. Jesus got angry. I'll I'll give you a good example. He was in the synagogue one day. Uh, That was like the Hebrew church back then, and there was a man there with a shriveled hand. This guy was obviously in need of some healing. In fact, it looks like the Pharisees kind of brought him in kind of as a 
let's see what Jesus will do, because it's the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath, and healing was considered work. And so they were testing Jesus to see what he would do, because they knew he had a soft heart for people, and that he was probably going to break, quote, the law. So they bring the guy, Jesus brings him right up front, and everybody, and everybody's watching. What's he going to do? And, and Jesus says something like, is it lawful to do good or evil on the Sabbath? Is it, you know, should I save a life, or is it better to kind of kill? And the, the challenge here was they all just remained silent, just waiting. And here's what the Scripture says. It says then it says, Jesus looked at them in anger. And here's why, because it goes on to say this, distressed at their stubborn hearts. See, that's why he got angry, because of their stubborn hearts. They were so consumed with checking out to see if Jesus was going to go by the letter of the law that they would have rather had this guy go off with a shriveled, useless hand than to watch Jesus heal it. That's why it caused him to get angry. Um, But Jesus, he did heal it. And it says that's when the Pharisees went out to plot Jesus' death. Wow. These were some stubborn guys, weren't they? You know, Jesus displayed anger, but we call that righteous anger. He had righteous anger. It was an anger as a result of stubborn hearts. There are times when anger is righteous anger. When we can feel angry in a justified way. Now, I would challenge each one of us to really take a look at what that looks like in our life because we might say it's justified and it's, it's not. We can do some work on that. It is justified. It is righteous anger. And we said this during the baptism. I oppose all forms of injustice and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. When there's people who are, are mistreated, when there's abuse, when, when the poor are, are just cast aside or the downtrodden, um, that we, we need to feel angry about that, but we can channel our anger in a positive way, not in a negative, condescending way. And so we too can have righteous anger, but we need to be very careful with that and make sure that it is anger that is is channeled in a way that makes a difference for the least, the last, and the lost. Jesus had some uh, righteous anger at another time when at the temple they, they sold um, uh, big holy days. Rather than bringing sacrifices with you, you would often buy a sacrifice right there at the temple to, to bring in and give. And, and there were tables outside selling, overpricing for the sacrifices. And then if you brought foreign currency, they had money changers, and they would overcharge for the exchanging of the money. So basically they were trying to rip off the people coming into the temple in two ways, with the price of the sacrifice plus the money changing. And as maybe you're familiar with the story where Jesus overturns the tables of the money changers and shouts, you know, you have turned my father's house into a den of thieves. And so what, he's upset there because of what they have, in effect, desecrated the holy place of God the Father, of, of worship, the place that is set apart. You notice in both these cases, Jesus gets upset because of how people have mistreated his fellow man and well, how they've mistreated God through the mistreatment of God's holy place. It's interesting, though, when it comes to Jesus himself, because 
he was very, very much mistreated, most especially there at the end of his life. You know, they, um, they arrested him unlawfully. Uh, they uh, imprisoned him. Uh, they, uh, uh, he was found guilty, all trumped up. He was, he was beaten, and, and he was hung on a cross to die. Now, I don't know about you, but if that was me... I think I'd have a, like a little, at least a little shred of anger in there as I'm hanging on the cross, wouldn't you? It'd be a real challenge to be otherwise. And yet, here's what Scripture says as he hung on the cross looking at those who had done this. He said, and it says, Luke 23, 34, and Jesus said, Father, say it with me, Father, Father forgive them, them for, for they, they know, know not, not what, what they, they do. do. That's, that's like miraculous, isn't it? That you could have... Someone could have been taken through that ordeal and then that would come out of their mouth as they hung there waiting to die. But that's our model, isn't it? That's the one we look to as how we're supposed to conduct ourselves. Our mission here at Connection Church is to, say it with me, connect people with Jesus and the life he offers. Now, the life he offers is a life of freedom. It's a life of forgiveness. It's a life of joy and peace. If we are bottled up, if our anger is bottled up and we don't deal with the root cause and and work through it, we are imprisoned by it. If we harbor anger, if we don't deal with anger in the right way, We don't forgive, but it's hard to receive forgiveness too. If we have anger, then we don't have peace. If we have anger, we don't have joy. And so we're challenging each one of you to take a look inside, do do an inventory, see what needs to kind of happen so that you can be released Because we know uh, the word of God, it says, do not let the sun set on your anger, you know, square things away. And here's how we do it, because there's an app for that. And it's Jesus. His name is Jesus. Allow Jesus to guide your steps, your thoughts, your words, your actions. We're going to close now as the praise team comes forward and and sing a song that is a beloved song in the church. It is well. It is well with my soul. We hope that it is well with your soul. But I know that there are pockets in in our heart that might need to get dealt with. So you can use this time on the steps to pray, to ask God for release, to go back In the prayer corner, Mike and Maria are back there. They will lift prayers to God on your behalf, or you can pray right from your seats. Give this time to the Lord so that as you leave today, you can indeed, with a new new step, a new little whatever it is in your step, say, it is well with my soul. Amen? Let's pray. Almighty God. Wow, you created us with, with these, these thoughts and these feelings, but, but you show us a better way, a greater way. Help us look to you for, 
for guidance, for answers, for direction, so that um, our anger doesn't imprison us, but that we're free. Lord, help us uh, use Jesus as our model forgiveness. We thank you, Lord, that it can be well with our soul. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at www.connectioncc.org. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life that he offers. Thank you.